you win a ring people remember the ring nobody remembers any of this like you know it's just the age of social media where like everybody like hyper fixates and all these like small details and turns it into like a year of storylines but it doesn't matter Welcome back to the Getting Buckets Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Ethan. Back with another week of NBA action. So let's just get right into it. And we'll start off with uh, we'll start off with some news. Some drama. Damian Lillard had some words to say. What exactly happened? Well, he choked at the end of the Clippers game. He missed two free throws that could potentially win them the game. And then he even missed the game tying three after that. And uh Patrick Beverly was seen on the bench yelling Dame time as he missed the free throws. And after the game, he said that he sees it as a sign of respect because he sent Patrick Beverly home before and he sent Paul George back home before last year. So he was saying pretty much that he sees it as a sign of respect. And immediately, Patrick Beverly and Paul George commented on the Bleacher Report Instagram post that Patrick Beverly said Cancun in three. And Paul George commented, "Yeah, you're getting you're getting sent home this year. Respect with a laughing emoji." So, um, Damian Lillard then responded to that, saying, "With like the corny post." Yeah, he he responded to that uh, po- uh, not a post, a uh, comment that Paul George made on the Instagram. He replied saying, uh, "You're not about the grind. Keep switching, keep switching teams. You're a chump." And. Uh, that comes actually to raise the larger question of yeah, but then Damian Lillard also had that like that he had those like rap bars that he put of him dribbling, and then like the NBA on TNT crew was laughing at that. They thought it was really corny. I thought it was pretty corny too. But yeah, finish what you're saying. Yeah, but I think this actually comes to raise the question: Do you believe that players who switch teams are you know somehow you know soft in some way? No, not at all. I think that's stupid. Like okay, Dame, like. You know, if if you don't win in Portland, people are gonna clown you too. So, uh, what you blaming Paul George? Is it his fault that he got hurt, came back, and he didn't have a team around him that he could win in Indiana? Is it his fault that LeBron was that good? Like at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. They want to win a ring. Like there is no right or wrong way to do it. Clearly, you win a ring, people remember the ring. Nobody remembers any of this. Like, you know, it's just the age of social media where like everybody like hyper fixates and all these like small details and turns it into like a year of storylines but it doesn't matter like people are already forgetting like all these storylines about like when lebron won his two rings or even when kd went to the warriors like, i feel like people are starting to forget that and be like oh he joined a 73 win team blah, blah blah obviously people still bring it up anybody remembers lebron's crampings in the finals i remember that. Yeah. yeah you do because you're a hardcore fan average person doesn't care and that's all it's going to be, okay? You're going to remember that 30 years from now. At the end of the day, but at the end of the day, people just remember how many championships you won. Exactly, and the same thing with KD, and you know, he he. That's why he's he's not worried at all about like so some random like weird Laker fan on Twitter thinks like he won two rings. He was easily the best player on the court when he won those two rings, and you know that's what's going to happen in like 20 years. You know, Slam Magazine and Bleacher Report or whatever the equivalent of social media is are going to be posting something like oh kevin durant was cold on the warriors and like everybody's gonna eat that stuff up i mean even like the miami heat from like already like almost 10 years ago at this point um yeah they're already considered a retro team like i think a lebron heat jersey is like considered a cool now and if you wore that like 10 years ago you'd be considered a fuckboy so like that's just how it is you know no i agree 
Like, I don't really see what, like, the point was that Dame was trying to make when he said that, you know, Paul George is weak because he wanted to switch teams. Like, you know, as you said, these guys are professional athletes, and he wanted to, he found, he found a better opportunity to win. Like, I don't, I don't know how you can blame that on anybody. Like, I'm sorry, Dame, but honestly, I don't see you winning a ring in Portland anytime soon with the players that you have there right now. Well, let's slow down, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Uh, I don't. But let's be honest. It was a here. big loss, though. It was a very big loss today um, because the Suns are half a game behind. They actually won their game today, so the Suns are five and zero in the bubble. All of a sudden, we completely counted them out. Yeah, we completely um, discounted them completely. That, among many other freezing cold takes that we had about the season, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, so this actually there's a chance now that the Blazers could actually even miss the plane because of they just lost in a crucial game to the Clippers today. And the Suns just have not lost, which is shocking, but there's still a chance. I think if the Grizzlies go one and two or something, um, they're definitely the Blazers definitely can't get the A seed. I mean, they definitely still have a chance to be in the play-in for sure, but it's it's coming down to the wire now. They're still, I think they're still the favorites. The Pelicans are in, and the Spurs are in on a technicality. They still can technically make it, but it's looking increasingly unlikely. I think most likely the Blazers will still keep it. I think they are way better than the Suns, but again, who knows? I mean, if the Suns win the next three games, it looks like it's going to be Grizzlies-Suns. And I would actually take the Suns over the Grizzlies uh, in a play-in. I absolutely would take the Suns over the Grizzlies. At this point, with how banged up that the uh, Grizzlies are, I would I would too, for sure. Because they have no Jaron Jackson. And they got no Justice Winslow either. That's right. And, um, I mean, you just look at the way their team has been performing. It's just been every game has been a train wreck. So, Other know. than the game, they beat the Thunder. Right. But they're still 1-4. Yeah, no, they're one of four in the bubble. And, I mean, it's very hard to redeem that. So, you know, now we're talking a bit about the playoff picture. I think the playoff picture is kind of getting clear. You know, the thing about the East and the West is that, you know, there is a clear leader on each team. And beyond that, it's just, like, total chaos. Like, a lot can change. You know, as an example, like, if you look at the East, so the Bucks are just head and shoulders above the Raptors. The Raptors are probably going to be the second seed. The Celtics will probably be the third seed. But then... Four, five, and six—they're all within a game of each other. So, and that's the Heat, Pacers, and Sixers. And so, the Sixers could easily be the fourth seed, or the Pacers could easily be the fourth seed. So that's all in flux. Um, and then in the West, it's kind of the same thing, where you know the Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, and Mavericks are all competing for four through seven. And so, and you know that seeding matters because it's basically the difference between facing like the Clippers, or facing you know each other. And so that's kind of a big deal. So this next week of NBA action is actually going to be really important. Like the seeding games are going to be crucial. Like it's, the picture is clearly not as lucid as we thought it would be by now. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of room for some fluctuation in the standings still. Do you, of all the teams that have been kind of trending upwards and downwards, who surprised you the most after the second week? I mean, the Lakers just stink right now. That's the biggest surprise to me. They're two and four in the bubble. I mean, AD one game he has forty. The next game, he has six. He had nine today against the Pacers. Like, a terrible performance. And even though LeBron played well, like, I don't understand what's going on with the Lakers. Like, they still can't shoot very well. They're shooting under 25% from the three while they've been in the bowl. And obviously, LeBron teams have always not really performed that well going into the playoffs. But this is not a regular season situation. And they're also in the West, too. And this is a completely different situation than those other teams. Like... They were had a, a really good rhythm before the season ended, and it got a uh, got abrupted by the season pause. So honestly, it's really hard to know what's gonna happen with the Lakers. I 
really have lost a lot of confidence in them to get out of the West. But, you know, sure. in, the, in the past, it was also like LeBron, who's on his heels, like a 40-win Raptors team that he was worried about in the first round. But, I mean, are you really going to count out if it's, let's say, the Blazers? Are you really going to count them out of the first round? Like, is that what you want to do? Or No, the I, of, I like, would still favor the Lakers. Right, but, but I'm saying to get out of the West. I mean, you still have to, Denver is looking pretty scary now too, with how the way Michael Porter Jr. has and, erupted. And, but that was the other thing I was gonna say. Like, you know, okay, even if you beat the Blazers, like you face the Blazers, let's say first round, okay, your second round, if it were like happening right now, would be the winner of like a Rockets Jazz series, okay? Like, I'm taking the Rockets over the Lakers right now with the way the Rockets have been playing, and I'm saying this as someone who really hates watching the Rockets play basketball, so. The Lakers, they do need to shape up, and it certainly doesn't help that LeBron and AD don't even attend the shoot-arounds, as far as I know. I don't no, know if that's they, changed. That, yeah, there's been a report that um, the coaching actually caters to LeBron and AD when because they, they don't want to perform in morning shoot-arounds, and that's just a really bad look because your whole team is shooting like garbage from outside the three-point line. So, I mean, if you want to get away to, you know, maybe get the blood pumping or something, maybe, you know, feel a little bit warm from outside before the game starts, I mean... I don't understand why they're not doing it. Especially AD, who's a really young player, too. I don't understand why he's not participating. It makes no sense to me at all. Well, because you see the teams like, at the end of the day, they cater to their stars. Maybe, like, you know, for LeBron, yeah, he's 35. But how old is AD? Like, 27, 28? Yeah, he's in the prime of his So, career, like, know. I don't understand why he's not participating in that. It's definitely a strange situation. And on the other side, we've got the Clippers, who are, you know, performing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they've still taken some losses they, here and there. They've clearly clearly shown that they're not like invincible, like people thought about the Lakers and Bucks. Well, the thing is about the Clippers that they're not even at full strength. That's true. And honestly, but the fact that they're not even at full strength yet, and the playoffs are coming so soon, shows that they may not be able to put it together in the playoffs, which is also still a worry. But listen, they beat the Blazers today. Kawhi did not play. Paul George did not play in the second half. So that was a very good win for the Clippers, who did not play their their two best players. For most of the game and you know i think just to add about the clippers like it's clear to me that whatever happens this season like they will probably be able to retool like i would take them as easily you know assuming nothing changes with their personnel i they would easily be my number one team going into next season i don't know what will happen to them this season i know kevin durant has them beating the bucks in five games uh but you know regardless of what happens i think the fact that they're still like a younger team than say the lakers and uh you know they just have more star power and depth than a team like the bucks you know, I, they, right now they would be my favorite, like for the 2021 NBA Finals. So you know, whatever happens this season, Clippers fans, like you know, whatever happens this season, you're the same boat as us Nets fans. Like next season is going to be really special. And you know, looking at the rest of the playoff picture too. I mean, let's talk about the Rockets a little bit because we thought that this, well, you thought actually that this break would really help them because they were kind of at the opposite of the Lakers and they kind of fumbled everything in the end of the season before COVID happened and they've been like rocket hot like four and one I think is the record in the bubble right now and you know James Harden who I just discovered two weeks ago you're apparently a huge fan of his I like I'm not a huge uh, fan I just like watching him play you're only saying that like for me but no, I'm not uh okay I seen the way you cheer for him okay uh I see the way you you want him to get those calls so let's let's stop it right here, okay? Dude. I'm not gonna argue about this. I I know you're like deep down are a huge James Harden fanboy, and that's okay. That's completely okay. I've accepted. I moved on. You know, whatever. But talk to me a little bit about the Rockets. What do you like for, about them right now? They're even though they're playing really small ball, and Robert Covington I think is the tallest guy, or Jeff Green is the tallest guy on their team. 
they're still managing to even stay in games that they're losing when their one or two best players are not playing well, which is very impressive. And for a Mike D'Antoni coach team, they actually have played excellent defense. Well, yeah, Rubber Covington like really shocked me. Yeah, and then, but he was always a good defender. I, I saw James Harden flat out lock up Giannis when they played the Bucks. Yeah, he flat out locked him up. Well, he hasn't been a perfect defender or anything, but I have actually I've been stunned by like the amount of effort he's put on defense lately. I mean, there's still like he still has those moments where he just stands and watches, but, um, yeah, he his defense has definitely improved. And honestly, like even PJ Tucker, he's been hanging around. I mean, I remember when they played the Mavericks last week. Something I noticed was that like Chris Stapps is a tall guy, and he just could not run back on D fast enough for the Rockets. So the Rockets just basically have a five on four against teams that are too tall. Yeah, because they're you know really small and they push the ball up really fast. They run a version of the seven seconds or less offense. A it's modernized bit, though. Modernized, of definitely a little bit more intricate too. They have better players on on this team now than they did back when they had Steve Nash. But I think the Rockets are definitely. A potentially dangerous team. Wait, you say this team has better personnel than the Steve Nash Suns? Easily. Stat and Sean Marion and Shaq at one point, Joe Johnson. Shaq was Joe Johnson. Bunts. Shaq was not good. I don't know. Maybe it's just nostalgia, but I, I thought the seven seconds or less Russell Suns were Westbrook awesome. and James Harden, are you joking? Yeah, I mean, obviously. But Those then, are two former MVPs. Yeah, but then you also have two MVPs on the Suns, too. And Shaq wasn't bad on Phoenix either. He had either way, I whatever. We can argue about this another time. But we actually skipped over a team as we were talking about the top four teams in, in the West and the Denver Nuggets. Yep, Denver Nuggets. You know, shout out my boy Eric uh, from school from physics. You know, uh, I TA'd him actually, and uh, he reached out to me the other day and said, you know, you guys like the rest of the media, you guys are sleeping on the Nuggets. We're not sleeping on the Nuggets. You know, when you guys win, we'll stop sleeping on the Nuggets. But the Nuggets have looked good. I mean, they had a huge win today. Yeah, Nick Jokic popped off. Michael Porter Jr. has erupted as a great player now for that team. And that's also a, a scary team. Mike Malone is a great coach. And, you know, Paul Millsap, yeah, he's probably a little bit overpaid, but he's still a great defender, even at his advanced age now. He's still one a top-10 um, individual rating defender in the NBA. You know, the Paul Millsap is funny to me because everything that they said about him when he joined the Nuggets... They didn't say about Al Horford when he joined the Sixers. And Paul Millsap has definitely provided more value for the Nuggets than Horford has for the Sixers. Easily. Without so, a question. No, so especially now Jokic, in my opinion, who's the best player, the best center in the NBA. I would agree. Easily. And then you got... Certainly the most talented in terms of like all-around play. Well, I think he... You know, some people may say Embiid is a better scorer, but I think it just in terms of talent and like how beautiful... He plays. I mean, no, no one is more beautiful of a player than Jokic in terms of like what he can just do. No, the Nuggets are definitely a good team, and they're potentially dangerous also going into the playoffs. Then you have the Jazz, who you know, whatever. I, I'm not the highest on the Jazz, especially because they're missing um, Bojan Bogdanovich too. They've also, I mean, they've just kind of plummeted. They could have been in a much better position than they are right now, and it looks like their sinking will continue. I mean. There is even a possibility that they could even end up in the seventh seed. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been playing pretty well, though. Right, but, you know, the individual efforts only matter so much at the end of the day. I mean, you saw this with the Nets, too. The Nets shocked the world earlier this week. They beat the Bucks. Was it was a complete team effort. It was also a very small ball effort. Uh, I mean, Dante Hall's pretty big, and he, like, just completely daddied Giannis. But for the most part, the Nets were also playing this kind of, like, small ball, like, Rockets-inspired sort of thing. 
And yeah, they they won by three. It was the biggest NBA upset in the betting books in 27 years. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, they faced Giannis and Chris Middleton in a half. And, you know, they held them off. And then the second half, they held off the surge by the Bucks in the end. It was just a great team win. And I, I think that just tells you that, it, like, in this bubble, like, Anything yeah. Anything going to happen. Team performances are more important than individual performances at the end of the day. And that's always how it's been in the NBA. But it's, like, especially true right now because there's so many things that are just weird with momentum. And, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I think will still be true, and I also like kind of just want to go back. I've been thinking about some of, like, the takes we had that are just cursed. Um... But I still think that there's a lot of upset potential because these seeds don't really mean that much. When all these teams are within a game of each other, like the difference between the third and sixth seed is not nearly as significant as you think it would be. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about some of the things we, some of our, like, worst takes. I mean, we can start off with the Lakers, right? Because you, you said last week that they're still the king. Do you still think that they're the king of the NBA? That they are the team to beat in the West? Yes, but I'm not as confident in it. No, I'm really just not as confident. Because I, I used to have so much faith in LeBron that he's going to turn it on in the playoffs and, you know, go God mode and, you know, make all of his other teammates better with all his passing and all the vision and stuff that he provides in-game. But I'm really not confident in that pick anymore. Like, based on how they've played, they just really haven't played well at all for me. So I haven't really been imp- impressed with them at all. Then you have the little curse take. You just said you had no faith at all in the Rockets. And I told you to watch out, and I proved you wrong. Would you like to comment on that? Well, I think that, you know, now that I've actually watched a couple of Rockets games, like, and I'll, I'll say this again, like, I'm the furthest thing from a James Arden fan. I really don't like watching him play basketball at all. I've never been that big of a Russell Westbrook fan either. So, like, they're really just not a team I like. I think that they're the most volatile team in the West. I think that they are the most likely team to just go on an insane run to the finals. Uh, they're going to definitely be the team I'm watching out for in the Western because Conference right now. Because if James Harden is hot and he can't miss, that team is going to score like 150 points easily. But you know, he's you're not like, going to score enough on them. You're going to lose. You don't need to be like a scientist or a mathematician to understand that the Rockets just play for the three. Yeah. And you need two buckets to beat their one bucket at the end of the day. And... You know, you see how teams play defense against the Rockets. They let they would rather James Harden get a layup than foul him on the three-point line, which he manages to get so many of those and one threes. So how do you beat a team like that where you have to give them open layups to stop the bleeding? So I think that they're definitely a dangerous team. And then, you know, if we take a look, obviously we've already mentioned this, but I think we need to talk a bit more about the Phoenix Suns. What is happening with the Suns? They can't lose. Devin Booker has been really playing insanely well. I will quote you. You said last week, you said they have, or this was two episodes ago. I can't believe we've done like 12 episodes already. It's crazy. Yeah. It's flying by. But you said they have Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, and no one else. Yeah, man. I got a clown, man. I guess he heard me. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I just like, I mean... The odds that the Suns would have to make it, you know, they'd probably have to go 7-1 and one in the bubble, and right now they're 5-0. and oh. So they're definitely still in the mix to still make that play-in. As a counterpoint, I think it would be the most Phoenix Suns thing ever to, like, go 8-0 and oh or 7-1 and one and either miss the play-in somehow or, like, make the play-in and lose. That would just be so fitting to me 
So in that sense, I still don't really have faith in them. Like, I don't think they're going to go on some crazy run. But I think this tells you what people have already been saying about the Suns, which is that they, the talent's always been there. I don't know if maybe the fact that they had to, like, just haul all the way to Florida in the middle of the summer to do this thing. They're just like, okay, we're here anyway. Why uh, just get our paychecks and go like the Wizards and we can actually make a run? I don't know if that woke them up. But, yeah, I mean, it's been really awesome to see them play that well. I also want to ask you this. What player has impressed you the most in, in like in, in, from an individual effort standpoint? Like not counting T.J. Warren. Not counting T.J. Warren, but, yeah. Obviously, T.J. Warren is going to be everybody's answer, but not counting T.J. Warren. Well, from I'll tell you, I haven't been able to watch, like, every single game. I'll tell you, from what I've watched personally, I've been really impressed with Luka and Chris Stapps. I mean, the Mavericks, they were kind of our dark horse team. I don't really think they're going to be making a run with how they've been playing. But, they, but they their have team a lot of, still looks good. They have a lot of trouble closing out games, though, in, in the clutch. Right, and I mean, sure. okay. And, and they're that's, a young team. That's going to happen, too. And, and that's exactly kind of the thing that, that, that worried me watching them. It's like they get these impressive leads on great teams, and they just can't finish. So, you know, how do I expect them to win a seven-game series against the Clippers? Like, I, that's just not going to happen, unless there's some miracle. But, I mean, Luka has been phenomenal. Like, I really think that the, you know, if if last decade was Kobe versus LeBron, I think this upcoming decade is going to be Giannis versus Luka, at least for the first half. That's I, really what it seems like to me. I definitely think with the core of Luka and KP that the Mavs will win a championship in the next five to six years if they stay together for sure. Yeah, if they stay I, together easily, they will win. Lucas. The Mavericks have always known how to build teams. Like Rick Carlisle is truly like one of the elite coaches, like and in the Mark NBA Cuban right now. Is one of the best owners. Too. Yeah, I mean, well, they've had some some internal issues. Yeah, but know, but uh, like talking about issues on the basketball court. Yeah, on the court, they know how to assemble a team for sure. I mean, they've had rosters with Nowitzki in his last few years that had no business even sniffing the playoffs, and you know they ended up putting up competitive series. So, you know, the Mavericks have always been, like, trending in the right direction for, like, this entire, like, century, basically. And it's going to continue staying that way. But, you know, if we take a look at the at the East, on the other hand, one team that we were completely right about was the Washington Wizards, right? They completely folded. And they're done. I mean, they went to get their checks. I think it's basically... It's impossible for them, I think. I think the Magic... No, needs... the Magic and Nets have both clinched, I'm pretty sure. Right, so I think the Wizards at this point, I think they're done. They're done. They're, I think, 0-5 in the bubble right now. Threw the towel. I mean, they had no business being there. It seems like Bradley Beal and John Wall may stay, though, because they have been training with the team. Yeah. And... Well, they, but they probably will. Unless I mean, the same thing happened with D'Angelo Russell. He was still training with the team after the playoffs, and you saw what happened with him. Yeah, so, pretty bad. who knows? I mean, Bradley Beal is going to be one of the hardest trade targets like in the whole league. It's going to be really interesting to see where he goes. Do we ha- ever have a 76ers take? I think we said we don't believe in the Sixers, and that seems to be true. And now, now you know, um, Simmons got injured. Ben Simmons got injured. He's going to be at least out. For even then, until the even the first round of the playoffs, and so I'm actually I'm curious what you think. They're probably done. There's an anonymous NBA exec who said that they're going to have to make a choice between Simmons or Embiid. I, I definitely agree with that. I've been saying that on this podcast. But I don't believe that there's actually a choice anymore because if Simmons is going to be hurt, let's say into the off season, but then Embiid, who's going to take him? Embiid is always hurt though. Right, but I mean, you know, ben I'm not sure you can really trade Ben Simmons anyway. I think that the fact that he lacks a jump shot makes him. Like a guy that a lot of teams, maybe some bad teams would go for him, 
But I think most teams would stay far away from him. And, you know, the bad teams that would want him don't have anything to give in return. A guy like Embiid, on the other hand, you can plug him into any offense and he's going to do damage. That's just a fact. You can literally put him anywhere except maybe the Rockets. Other than that, there, like, any team that he wants to play for, he can play for right now. He's just that good. Yeah, no, I, I think the Sixers are, you know, I've, we talked about a lot. You know, Elton Brand has done a really terrible job of his first year of assembling a roster that would be an improvement after Jimmy Butler left. And Jimmy Butler left, J.J. Redick left. They got Al Horford. That was just a complete disaster. One of the worst signings in, like, the last 10 years. Tobias sure. Harris also completely overpaid. Um, even but, you know, at least Tobias does player. something. I mean, Al Horford, is, he's just old, and he, he just doesn't give anywhere near the kind of value that you would expect from him. Well, it's just that the signing just never made any sense. Like It looks good on paper, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, because the thing about Tobias is that if they didn't sign him for a max, another team would have signed him for a max. And he was very good for them last year. Yeah, so, you know, it no, was a kind of... It was a situation where you, like, you had to overpay, but... Fine, so you overpay him, but you already knew where he was coming from, and that's a guy that you're willing to have on your team for the next few years. But a guy like Al Horford, like, I just cannot understand. They basically sacrificed all the depth, all for the sake of saying, yeah, we have three super... Like, three... Or like four former All Stars because Horford like was an All Star with the Hawks. Because you have Simmons and Bead, Tobias Harris, who actually wasn't even an All Star, I don't think. And Tobias uh, Harris wasn't no, but he was All Star level for sure. Um, and yeah, they have no depth at all. I mean, look who comes off from the bench, Matisse Thybul. Like yeah, listen, it's 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 not looking good for the for the Sixers at all. And then you know there was another surprise that happened. The Raptors got completely destroyed by the Celtics. And that, you know, comes to raise a question. A lot of people had questions about the Raptors, you know, about who's going to, do they have a player that can, you know, just get a bucket at will? And I don't think they do, to be honest. Well, look, first of all, if they have to face the Nets, like, I'd be very happy. I'd rather they face, and it looks like it's going to be Raptors-Nets in the first round, which is just like this iconic rivalry um, of recent years. One of the most fun playoff series I ever watched was Raptors-Nets when KG and Paul Pierce was there. Paul Pierce got uh, the game-winning block. Yeah, so there, there's definitely a bit of history there with between the Raptors and the Nets. And, um, yeah, that, I definitely prefer that matchup over, like, Celtics-Nets or Bucks-Nets. Simply because if the Celtics were playing the Nets, you'd have Enos Cantor, who is just the Nets killer. Uh, and if the Bucks play the Nets, you have Ursali Asolo, who's also a Nets killer. The Raptors don't really, like you said, I don't think they really have that guy who can give you a bucket at will. Although, we have talked about them in the past. I still think that they're an extremely deep team. You cannot sleep on Pascal Siakam at all. Oh, and OG Ky- and Obi too. Yep, OG and Obi. Kyle Lowry is having a, a, one of his best years of his career this season. So, you know... I don't know. I, I'm not for... You know, these kinds of losses happen. I don't think you can really judge a team off one bad loss. Um, that's how the NBA is. You're not going to win every single game. Yeah, at everybody the the beats day. everybody in the NBA. Exactly. And, yeah, the Raptors, I think they're basically, at this point, they're a lock for the second seed. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's a small chance that they won't get it, but I think at this point they're basically a lock. So Raptors fans, like, you should basically at this point expect to face the Nets or the Magic. I don't know what Raptors fans would prefer. Uh, I know as a Nets fan, I definitely would rather face them than the Bucks. Yeah, me too. And then, I think the last uh, playoff matchup that seems really interesting from a rivalry standpoint is the Heat versus the Pacers. Oh yeah, the T.J. Warren versus Jimmy Butler. That would be must-see TV, especially with the way that T.J. Warren is playing now. 
you know, like, Heat Pacers, I think, would be, like, a fascinating matchup. Because, first of all, there's rumors that the Pacers want to fire Nick McMillan. Which is shocking to me. Like, he did such a good job um, bringing them to this position without Victor Oladipo for a lot of the year. And, you know, DeMont Sabonis, who's injured now, and T- Miles Turner did not really mesh that well. I really thought he did a great job coaching this team. I have no idea why the Pacers want to get rid of him. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But, you know, there's a chance that the Sixers could be in the mix for 4 and 5, but I'm really praying that there's just some variation of Heat Pacers as 4 and 5. Simply because, like, the Jimmy Butler TJ Warren rivalry is one of the funniest, like, most out of the blue rivalries that exist in the NBA, and it's also one of the most intense. So just to see that in a seven-game series would be really awesome, like just to add more fuel to that. And also, like from a sense of philosophy, I think that you have like a proven star on the Heat in Jimmy Butler. Even though he's kind of become less of a scorer, I still think that he's one of the stars in the NBA. No, he definitely has a lot of winning. And, effect. you know, they're just two up-and-coming teams. They have a lot of nice young pieces, both of them, and it would just be really awesome just to see those players, you know, get some chances in the spotlight. And then to face a team that's like the Bucks or the Raptors in the second round. So yeah, uh, I think that the playoff potential, like sort of the big matchups, were like a week away from that, and I'm really looking forward to actually see what the picture is going to look like, because then we could start making our brackets. And that's kind of the last thing I want to talk about, because Kevin Durant, he was on a podcast recently, and he begrudgingly admitted his pick for the finals. And he has the Bucks coming out of the East. And he has the Celtic. No, sorry. He has the Bucks coming out of the East. And he has the Clippers coming out of the West. And he has the Clippers winning 4-1. Now, I'm curious what you think about that. I think that's a solid uh, pick for sure. I can see that happening. I do think there's a little mind games involved too. He doesn't really want uh, LeBron to win another chip. Um, so that's one of the reasons why he picked the Clippers. But do you think that the Bucks are still like a clear favorite to come out of the East? No, not at all. I don't think, I think they would play super well either. A, I think they have a a good a very good shot, obviously. You know, they did just lose to the Mavericks, who we were talking about earlier in the episode. Big win for the Mavs. A huge win for the Mavericks, and I think that um, I don't know. I'm not so big on the Bucks anymore, too. I think that there are like three teams that could come out of the East, but you know, Bucks are still the Bucks at the end of the day. Yes, I think it's time to introduce our new segment that we like to call the Bubble Boy of the Week. That's right. So we're just going to you know, talk about a couple of guys who really impressed us during this first week, and we're going to do it for each week that the NBA goes on. But we got, we got to go up because there's a clear Bubble Boy this week, so we'll just start with like the guys who... So, I mean, we all know who the Bubble Boy of the Week is going to be this week. Uh, but I think we should also just talk about some other guys who are kind of going to get swept under the rug because, you know, T.J. Warren really popped off and in my opinion is looking like one of the greatest players of all time in this current form I mean tell me who wouldn't want a 56% three-point shooter a 61% shooter from the field and he's averaging like 35 points per game yeah it's like goodbye 50 40 90 like I'm I'm taking TJ I'm taking DJ Warren over anybody in NBA history right now (laughs) so I'll talk about some other guys though because I think you know Michael Porter Jr. has been really popping off I'm I'm shocked that the Nuggets were able to get him for like the 14th pick. Like he had a really serious injury concerns. Yeah, but I mean Zion had really big injury concerns. Too. Yeah, so it's kind of the same situation with him and Bol Bol too. 
um, who slipped all the way down into the second round and we got picked at what like 43 or 45 yeah well I mean if you're not the Knicks or the Lakers like you know how to handle injuries yeah uh, I mean so. but like I was pretty upset when the Nets passed on Bull Bull and he hasn't really got that much playing time um, in the regular season but, but what have you liked about too. Michael Porter Jr.'s game uh, he's shooting the ball really well he rebounds really well too which is crazy and he, an interesting thing about him was that he was actually in the doghouse with his coach because his coach, Mike Malone, said, you're not rebounding enough, you're not putting enough effort, and I'm not going to play you if that's what's going to happen. And apparently Michael Porter Jr. had to like text him for three straight days to tell him, I'm sorry, please don't leave me in the doghouse. And ever since then, he's been averaging like 13 rebounds a game ever since he's played. So he's been pretty impressive. Also, Gary Trent Jr. has really been popping off for the Blazers, becoming like that third or even fourth scoring option for that team. And this is what's really interesting, too, that a lot of shooters are going to stay hot in the bubble, most likely, because I saw Terrence Ross, he commented on somebody's post about how the death perception isn't as uh, messed up as it usually is in an NBA um, stadium, because usually you, you see the fans are sitting so far away, and it's really like hard to tell how far away you are from the basket in an NBA arena, and here it's not like that. So he said that if a shooter gets hot, they're probably not going to stay, they're not going to stay cold. They're just going to keep on being hot. So a guy like Harden. Harden. So you, that's what you're seeing right now with TJ Warren and um, Gary Trent Jr. and even Michael Porter Jr. too. So I'm, That's really interesting, though, because that could explain like why, why some stars just aren't handling this as well as others. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, I hope that TJ Warren won't fall off. No, me either. I mean, it's I so hope not because it's really fun to watch. Um, and then Devin Booker, of course, who kind of had like one of his signature moments, like Jang. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that was a sick shot. It looked like a Kobe Bryant clone to me. Yeah, and he's playing extremely well, and the NBA is taking notice. I mean, Draymond already was on, like, NBA on TNT, like, basically tampering, saying, yeah, D-Book has to get off that team. I think Draymond just wants another guy to carry him to another ring. Um, that was pretty funny to see Draymond and Charles. So that's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's – I don't think they actually hate each other either. Like, it was probably so, a little bit a little bit beef, a little bit made for TV too. I think a lot of it's made for TV. Cause, uh, if you're Draymond Green and you care what Charles Barkley thinks about you, then you're just a joke. I mean, it's also Draymond Green said that Charles Barkley shouldn't even be in the same discussion Yeah, as no, him that's also like – Because he has no rings. We're like – Completely ridiculous. Charles Barkley was just a, a 30 million times better player Yeah, it's than like, Draymond okay, okay, Draymond. Like, we, we saw how you did with the Warriors this year, like, on your own. Like, stop being a clown. Just just stop it. It's not a good look at all. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just whack. <laughs> Charles Barkley is like one of the all-time greatest. Like, if he was in this bubble at his peak powers, like being the small ball god, like, are you joking? Yeah, are you cooking. joking? He'd be dropping forty. Like, nobody understands how good Charles Barkley was until like actually watch videos of him. And then, of course, the bubble boy of the week is uh, T.J. Warren. What can we say that hasn't been said already? I mean, he's willing the Pacers to an extremely good like playoff position, potentially the fourth seed. And he's just been an animal. If you haven't watched the Pacers, you have to now. Uh, he just beat LeBron. He, he, like, carried them, hit the clutch three to win the game. I think he finished, like, 37. He's averaging something, like, over, I think, 35 points per game on 60, 55, and, like, 80-something shooting. It's, just, it's insane. That's my goat right there. Like, you look at those numbers, you think, oh, yeah, that that's that line is, like, Kobe, Michael Jordan. No, it's TJ Warren. Warren in the bubble. So... Yeah, that's our Bubble Boy of the Week, and I think that's all we have this week. So, so thank I want to give a spe- special shout-out to Karis LeVert, too, who's actually been playing pretty well also. 
Um, yeah, and you know we're obviously Nets fans. You got to shout him out. Yeah. But yeah, that's all we have for this week. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the Getting Buckets podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. We're also on Anchor now. Subscribe to us on Twitter at GetBucketPod. Close to 600 followers. We appreciate all the support we get. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace.